Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, here we are, June 2022. You made it. If you are... If you haven't yet taken the Christmas tree down, I wouldn't worry now. It's almost the next one will be on us. We, we live in very interesting and challenging times and rapidly changing times. Uh, we have so much more information than we ever did. I, I'm not sure, however, with all that information that we are necessarily that much smarter. Uh, you know, 50 years ago, 50 years ago, if you bought a new car you would get a car owner's manual. And in that manual, it would tell you such things as how to adjust the valves, the tappets in the engine. And now it just tells you don't drink the contents of the battery. Um, and you do wonder at just the level of smartness. Um, but it's crazy. With, sometimes you ever feel overwhelmed with the level of information. I mean, sometimes my, my brain feels like an internet browser. 17 windows are open, four are frozen, and I don't know where the music's coming from. And it's like, it's just... (laughs) A lot of funny stuff comes... I I read some funny stuff, as I'm sure many of you did, during that whole COVID era. One during that terrible time in the States uh, last year, a year before. And and it said, due to COVID-19, we're asking rioters to work from home and destroy their own property. (laughs) Uh, crazy world, crazy world. You ever been into a supermarket and, you know, you go to the fruit section and you test a grape? Have any of you ever done that? You're just, yeah, yeah. And it seems that that's okay to do that, but you take one bite out of a rotisserie chicken and it's all, please, sir, you'll have to leave now. It's like... <laughs> I want to, this morning, um, take a few minutes to talk about, as we continue this journey, as I said, in in this crazy changing world that we're all impacted by what, what goes on with all the ongoing challenges. And there are many issues, um, you know, through the whole COVID thing, which is still having, having impact. But even the, the change in our culture, we have moved into a, in our country, in our society, we have moved into a post-Christian culture, into what is called a post-modern culture. And Without taking too much time on that, as a philosophy, postmodernism rejects concepts of any absolutes, of rationality, of objectivity, objects the concept of universal truth that applies to everybody. It emphasizes the diversity of human experience and multiplicity of perspectives, and it's characterized by broad skepticism, subjectivism, relativism and a general suspicion of reason, an acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power, and there's so many issues. We, we are challenged with cost of living issues. Pastor Peter talked about the, the homelessness drama. I, back just post-Easter, I had a week off and I was on the beach and uh, two mornings I went for a run and there was just south of the main beach on the Gold Coast, the main, main beach surf club. 
I noticed a tent just on the dunes and there was a woman there with like three or four kids and she didn't look like a down and out kind of person. And the second morning I went and, and they were still there and I thought, wow, I reckon that's somebody who doesn't have a home. Now, undoubtedly within a day or so they would have been moved on because you're not allowed to camp there. And our, our nation is facing incredible challenges like I think not seen in our, our lifetime. And of course we all deal, we deal with, you know, there's the bigger issues of China and Russia and the tragedy of Ukraine and then we all deal with our own personal challenges. So navigating all that in this kind of ever-changing, uncertain world. By the way, for all that gloom and doom, let me just tell you this. That when the darkness gets darker, the light, get light, get light gets lighter Sorry, and brighter. And I believe that the greatest days for the church in our nation, in our country, are yet ahead of us. And um, I, I read a saying to Pastor Peter the other day, and I mentioned it in the online uh, preaching, that uh, there is some research that indicates that after every pandemic, global pandemic, there's a three-year period of spiritual revival and spiritual renewal. I'm believing for that, hallelujah. It's just, and, and people are searching and hungry more than ever, just they don't know necessarily what they're looking for. And it's like Adrian said during the communion message, which I thought was outstanding thoughts in that. Um, the answer we know is Jesus. But how we communicate that is always has to connect with whatever the culture. See, the beauty of the gospel is it was designed to intersect with people in every culture and every circumstance right down through history. What we have known in our lifetimes and certainly in this country is unique almost in, in the history of the church. To have lived in a, in a culture that was largely built and a society largely built on Christian values uh, and to have enjoyed the kind of freedom that we have as a church is almost unique in Christian history, in church history. But that is rapidly changing. However, the mission never changes. We just have to get smarter about how we engage with people. And so I want to talk to you this morning about, just I want to give you just four things. This is not a comprehensive list, but four things that I think can help us live well in uncertain times and navigate these uncertain times as a follower of Jesus. There's a couple of verses that have resonated strongly in my own heart over this last 6-12 months from Ephesians 5, 15-17. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The Passion Translation puts it like this. So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honourably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purpose. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. So let me just give you four, four things, and we don't have time to dig deeply into each of these things, but four things that I think can help us, and they're, they're simple, it's not necessarily profound. 
But number one, and it helps us keep keep on the path because with all that goes on, I've talking about a postmodern culture. You know, I've talked to many young people who've grown up in in the church and in Christian homes, uh, but have been to uni and and if you go to a secular university, uh, the ideology, postmodernism is just just rampant. I mean. And so our young people, let me tell you, those of you who are older, you need to pray for our younger generation. I'm so thrilled to see great young men and women in this church serving and stepping up. And, uh, but we need to pray for those guys. The challenges that they face are, I think, even greater than the ones that we faced. You know, various, we're at different ages in this congregation, but, but they face incredible pressure around some of these things. So let me give you four things. Number one, Focus on what matters most. Focus on what matters most. Now that begs the question, what does matter most? What matters most in your life? It's a good question. Now there are some things, there are some things in life that are common to all of us that matter, matter most. One, I would say, first and foremost, is our relationship with God. That matters most, and that is common to all of us, and even those who do not know. That really is the most important thing, your relationship with God through our faith in Jesus. That matters most. Hebrews 6.12, I love this verse. It says, this hope is an anchor for the soul. It's both sure and steadfast, and we certainly need an anchor in the times that we, we live in and we want to do the journey well. So your relationship with God matters most and we could talk a whole session on that. Secondly, things that matter most is relationships. Relationships. I was talking about 18 months ago with one of our pastors who for 30 years has been a paramedic as well and a senior paramedic. We were talking about life, and we were talking about what matters, and he was saying that over the many, many years of his experience, and he's had many, many people die in his arms or beside him, and, and he said, it's interesting, he said, over all the years and the many people that he's been with when they passed away, nobody has ever said, oh, by the way, could you call a mechanic on Monday and tell them, about the car, or could you call the the car dealer and tell them to cancel the order? Could you could you call my broker? Could you? It's never that. It's always could you tell my wife? Could you tell my husband? Could you tell my son? Tell my daughter? It's always a message to someone close. And when it all boils down, the final moments and in this life, what matters most is our relationships. Our relationships. So again, keep your focus in the midst of all the craziness that goes on around us. Focus on what matters most. And there are other different things, of course, at different seasons in life. Uh, if you're at uni at the moment, then that, that matters. That's important. You know, if you have a young family in that season of life, then time and energy and whatever it takes to invest into. But, but you have to know what matters most. And keep your focus on that. Because the reason I say that is because during this past two or three crazy years, I've seen so many Christians get distracted. I've seen so many followers of Jesus go down rabbit holes. 
with maybe good intent, but but distracted. And we've all had to navigate all the, the whole stuff with COVID and vaccinations and mandates and it's all we've all got opinions and, and that's all we're all affected by that and I had to work extensively in that that area representing the government on behalf of the church sector in Queensland. So it preoccupied a lot of my time over the last couple of years. I'm kind of glad we're over the the main uh, focus of that. But I discovered so many Christians became so consumed and got distracted from what matters most. And how many of you know that regardless of our view on some of these things, and I'm not just talking about the COVID, but there's so many things we can be distracted and detoured and we can end end up going off on another tangent and we miss the main thing. What's the main thing? What's most important? We miss and we get off track from the things that are essential to faith. I would just encourage you to, uh, to ask yourself a question. What matters most? And how much energy and attention and focus are you putting into the things that matter most? Because I think when we do that, when we, when we keep our focus on the most important things, it's like... I like them to... If you've ever been four-wheel driving, and for many years I had four-wheel drives and used to uh, go many places, but Fraser Island, and sometimes you get bogged in the sand or other places you may get bogged in mud. And if you've got a winch on the front, you'd take the winch and you'd wrap it around a tree, something solid, secure, and, and that would just pull you out as you operated the winch. And I'll tell you, it's like when you keep your focus on what matters most, it's like a winch that'll pull you through the quagmire of all the other stuff that's going on in life. So number one, keep your focus on what matters most. Number two, live with gratitude. Live with gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will sometimes for you in Christ Jesus. No, no, no. This is God's will for you. Funny thing, you know, is that when we do align our lives with how God intends us to live, it actually produces the optimum results in our lives. And I'm not just talking about in the spiritual things. So, you know, the Bible talks about renewing of the mind and there's a whole physiology where you understand the plasticity of the brain. Um, The Bible and, and what God tells us, and when he says, give thanks, be grateful, there is actually an impact on your physiology in fact, there's research that has shown that uh, that actually has people who practice gratitude and live with an attitude of gratitude. It literally affects their brain. And to distill it down, this is not the exact science of it, but it's, it has the effect of like a lubricant in your brain. They say that the, as you get older, your, your brain becomes more fixed, more rigid, it loses its ability to change and rewire and, uh, and sometimes you lose the ability to see beauty, you lose the ability of creativity. But the research has shown that people who, who practice gratitude and live with that kind of approach to life, actually it keeps their brain young. So you want to keep a young brain? I know, the, I know that uh, you know, we're all going to get older physically. And, um, wow, Gwen... 
Gwen Parker, 90. That's amazing. What a truly remarkable lady. Um, had the privilege to be in her home many times when, um, when she lived Turner's Beach, wasn't it? Uh, Turner's Beach. Yeah. And um, so just very practically for, for me, I've realised, and some of you know something of my story, the last 10 plus years of my life has, at a personal level has been incredibly challenging. You know, I, I've not talked a lot about it, not that, <clears throat> not that uh, it's a hidden issue, but, you know, many, many of you... Be, in 2010, my wife was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's. And three and a half years ago, that eventually resulted in her having to go into permanent residential care. That's been a challenging, challenging journey, and is to this day. But one of the things I realised, and I only realised this over over recent months, and I think this is one of the things that's helped me keep, keep tracking okay, is I'm always looking for some, something to be thankful for. There's a hundred things that I could focus on that in terms of the negative. Believe me, believe me. Remember a few years ago, my daughter was driving me to the airport one day and she said, Dad, do, do you ever feel like you've been ripped off. She said, you know, stage of life where, you know, a lot of our friends, this was pre-COVID obviously, we're going on cruises and doing all sorts of stuff. And, and I said to her, I said, if I allow myself, I could. I just, I've just made a choice. I'm not allowing my thought patterns to go down that road because that's a dark tunnel that there's, there's no light. So what I do instead, I change the channel and I lo- I'm constantly looking for the stuff to be thankful for. You know, I, I, loved, I loved walking on the beach. Um, I did yesterday uh, here in Elveston. And I just there's something about, or in the bush if I'm out, out country, and just thanking God for the beauty of creativity and nature. I thank God that, you know, Every day I wake up in the morning and I've got a roof over my head and I've got food on the table. And, and sometimes what helps us to live with gratitude is, is perspective. You know the old saying, I, I complained I had no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. And I think perspective is so, so powerful and important. And we've talked this morning and we've seen, you know, and you as a church have given in to what's happening for the kingdom in Myanmar. But I thank God I didn't have to wake up in Myanmar today. I'm thankful to God that I woke up in this country. I'm thankful to God I didn't wake up in the Ukraine this morning. There's always something to be thankful for. And you've, got to, you've always got to look for that. Live with gratitude. Be grateful for the people in your life. I'm grateful for my family and for my friends and the relationships I have. I'm grateful for the things that God has blessed me with because there's always a hundred things and the world will tell you what you're missing but live with gratitude just interesting little thing on that when you when you live with gratitude out of true gratitude comes generosity stop and think about when you are truly grateful somebody does something and you you genuinely appreciate you want to be generous maybe it's just with your comment and say oh, thank you so much but there's a generosity of spirit 
that comes out of living with gratitude. And so I want to encourage you, live with gratitude because that will increasingly make you a generous person. Generosity of spirit, that's where it starts when I'm just talking about money, but generosity of spirit, and that'll flow out in whatever way in our lives. But it starts with living with gratitude, and that will help you live well in the midst of craziness. Thirdly, choose carefully the voices you listen to. More than ever, the voices you listen to will determine whether you live life well. You see, the voices in your life are determining the choices in your life and the atmosphere in which you live life. See, in this past season and in the current circumstances, more than ever, um, I'll be blunt, the media and some politicians have been and do create such a negative and fear and anxiety-filled atmosphere. I've been a news junkie all my life. I love, I love keeping up with what's happening in the world. If I'm driving in the car, I'll listen to the 10 o'clock news and I'll listen to the 10.30 and I'll listen to the 11 because something might have changed. I <laughs> thing I discovered over the last couple of years, nothing changed. <laughs> there came a point in... Uh, so I always like to know what's going on and I've been, yeah, this avid news junkie. But there came a point last year, I think it was around September, it was somewhere I think around the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan and the tragedy that unfolded there and we had COVID stuff going on. There was a whole lot of other stuff going on. I remember this one day going, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm sick and tired of just this negative Stuff that goes... Now, I'm not talking about denying reality. I'm not talking about sticking our head in the sand. I still, I keep up to date, with, but I'm a lot more discerning and selective and I refuse to listen to rubbish because it doesn't do my soul good. I, I apologise if you're a Q&A fan, but uh, I used to watch Q&A, but about four or five years ago after throwing bricks through so many TV... No, I'm just... Ah, it wasn't good for my blood pressure. It wasn't good for my health. It drove me absolutely nuts. Here's the thing. You've got to guard the health of your soul. And the voices you listen to, be that in social media, be it on YouTube, because whether you realise it or not, you know, you start to get down certain paths and follow certain things, the algorithms will take you further and further. So you need to choose carefully the voices you listen to. You need to counter the negative stuff. We live in a world filled with such negativity. Um, the, the sensationalism and the catastrophization that goes on in our world. Uh, and, and I'll say this, I personally believe large parts of the media are responsible for a lot of the mental health issues going on in our community and indeed around the world. Um, when we talk about voices we listen to, there's so many voices we can listen to. We can listen to the voice of circumstances, not just the media and the prevailing atmosphere. And we can listen to the voice of popular culture. We can listen to the voice of doubt and fear and unbelief. And, but one of the big ones we listen to is the voice of self-talk. In fact, that often is, is one of the most predominant influences in our life is our own self-talk. And very often our self-talk is not actually positive in our lives. And that's why we need to align our thinking with what God says and with his word. And again, there's a lot to be said around that, but what do you listen to? See, there's an interesting 
interesting flow on from what you listen to because what you hear and what you listen to and gets into your heart and into your mind, you'll begin to talk about that. In fact, Jesus said it. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when stuff impacts us, we, we talk it, we speak it. It was only a few months ago when Shane Warne uh, died suddenly. And, you know, you, you hear that news and the first thing when you you meet someone, and particularly if you follow sport or whatever, did you hear Shane Warne? Like, you, out, it's true, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This stuff, whatever it is, gets in during COVID. I mean, you know, often it was hard not to, but, but it was the topic of so many conversations. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The danger of that is it's okay if you're listening to stuff that's making healthy, a healthy heart. But if what you're listening to is not producing a healthy heart and a healthy soul, then, then the overflow out of the abundance of the heart, what you speak will be negative. And without taking time to, to go to it this morning, is it the great example of this in the Old Testament where in Numbers 13, 14, where God brings his people up to go into the promised land and Moses sends in the 12 spies. I'm sure that many of you know this story. The 12 come back with a report. <clears throat> Ten of them were incredibly negative and two, Joshua and Caleb, were positive. The people, it says, listened to the report and that night, they listened to the negative report and that night they grumbled and complained and they wept and they wailed. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke and it cost an entire generation God's purpose because they listened to the wrong stuff. And then they began to speak it out. Here's the interesting thing. The report they brought back actually wasn't that different from the 10 to the 2. The, positive. the actual report, factual report, wasn't that different. But the, the conclusions they drew were very different. The conclusions that they drew from that report were very, very different. And sometimes it's, not the, it's the conclusions we draw. They didn't draw a God conclusion. They looked at their own strength, their own ability and said, we're in trouble. So again, let me just challenge you because it affects the atmosphere within which you live your life. I've been very deliberate about this in my own life in this past season to try and create. There's a song, some of you would know, uh, Crowded House. And they had, there's a song that the words go, everywhere you go, take the weather with you. I love, I love that song and I think there's a great truth in that. Everywhere as a follower of Jesus in this world filled, of dark, filled with darkness and hopelessness and fear and anxiety, everywhere we go we should be taking the atmosphere, the weather with us. Because you do. It's just what sort of weather are you taking with you? What sort of atmosphere are you taking with you? So when we, we walk into our world, whatever that looks like, we should be taking an atmosphere and, and the weather of hope and of life and of love and everything that the nature... God is a God of hope. Do we carry and create that atmosphere in our lives? Faith comes by hearing the six o'clock news. No, 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 it doesn't. Faith, we know, comes from hearing the word of God getting that into our hearts. So, so what are the voices you're listening to? Choose carefully the voices you listen to. Finally, fourth, fourth point. 
is um, practice being like Jesus. Practice being like Jesus. Because again, when we align how to live life, how to live our lives, whatever the circumstances, by looking at Jesus, because he, he is our example. I think I preached a message a year or so ago here about not drifting and how I was personally challenged when I realised that in my own heart and life, reacting against some of the stuff I hated that was going on in our world around us. Um, my spirit had become infected with the spirit of the age. And I've been challenged over this last, last season, the simplicity, if you're a follower of Jesus, practice being like Jesus. See, that's God's, that's God's goal and God's purpose for you. See, one of the things, we, it's six months ago we celebrated Christmas and, and that event, of course, of God coming to humanity in human form, we call it the Incarnation. Where, where God was embodied in human flesh. His spirit was embodied in human flesh. And that's what Jesus did. And, and the Bible tells us if you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus. He's the perfect example of God. Okay. So, but that's only the first part of the incarnation purpose and story that God has. Jesus comes, is incarnated, God is incarnated in human flesh. Then Jesus dies, rises again, ascends. The Holy Spirit now indwells us. The Spirit of Christ comes in us. God's purpose is now that the Spirit of Christ is incarnated in you and me and that we become the incarnation of Jesus Christ to our world. That's the second part of the incarnation purpose. What does that look like? What does that look like? By the way, you know, as I said, this is God's purpose. Second Corinthians three eighteen says that we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness, with ever increasing glory, from one degree of glory to another, becoming more like Jesus. If we could do a graph on on that for your life and my life and put it up on the screen, it it ought to look like that. What would it look like? Are we flatlining? Are we declined? Are we gone down? Or are we from one degree of glory to another becoming more and more and more like Jesus? That's what God's purpose is. So let me just give you one practical example. I'm going to finish in a moment. It's really easy when we read some of this stuff and how Jesus said. But it so goes against the grain my default, and I've talked about this, my default humanity is, is the Liam Neeson, I want to take down the bad guys. And I've done the Liam Neeson impression here. I don't know who you are. Anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> but I've discovered that's not the Jesus default. You know, when Jesus said, and when you, when you read Matthew, Jesus gives a whole lot of practical examples and the teaching the Sermon on the Mount, as we know it, and amongst the things that he says is that, that you know, if, uh, if, if you're asked to go one mile, go two. And we read that, we often quote that, I oh, go on the extra mile. But you've got to know in the context of the day what that meant. 
See, under the rule of the Roman Empire in the day, a Roman soldier could come to you if you're a, you're a Jew. A Roman soldier could come to you and demand you, that you carry his pack for a mile. That, that was, and if you refused, you could be imprisoned, executed. So, unfair, unjust. And I would go, not on your life, like your lazy sod, what do you think, you, you know, blah, blah. Jesus, very countercultural. Jesus goes, if the Roman soldier comes and says, carry my pack, you go the mile, at the end of the mile, Jesus says, what you should do is go, listen, you look tired. Would you like me to carry it another mile for you? That's, that's the Jesus spirit. I find that so challenging. And time and again, you discover that the practical outworking of Jesus' life and teaching goes contrary to every almost human default. And finally, I think the great expression, the tangible outcome is listed for us in Galatians 5, 23. We know it as the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and that can be really cute. I've been in Sunday school presentations and anniversaries from when I was a kid and we dressed kids up in all sorts of fruit and, you know, and that's all nice. <laughs> you can start playing something if you wish. I mean, no, no use you just standing there. You have to, but just keep it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't what I had in mind, actually. <laughs> but the truth is, this, I think, is the tangible expression. The fruit of the Spirit. This is what, it's the fruit, the outworking of the Spirit of Christ within your heart and my heart, if you're a follower of Jesus, is love. It's joy. It's peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says, against those things, there's no law. <laughs> Can't legislate. Nobody can stop you doing any of those. If Jesus were to come in physical presence this morning and he had a little fruit meter, and just walked around up and down the aisles this morning, just measuring, just with that list of nine. He goes, listen, this morning I want to do a test on kindness. And he was able to go along and just do a scan. How would you go? Love, peace, joy. Now, none of us are there. But that's where we're headed in him. That's what we should be. In a world that desperately needs that's why I love what happened last night. Because through your giving, through your generosity, through your kindness, last night lives in Myanmar will be changed. Changed. But don't just, don't just leave it to Myanmar. Tomorrow, your world, when you go into your world, Jesus said to go into all the world, and we just think of that as geographical. But there's many different worlds. There's people live in the world of disability. There's people live in the world of 
gaming, there's people living in the world. I like there's so many different worlds. When you go into your world, are you Jesus incarnate? Would you stand and pray with me? I think there's a call upon the church to come back to the simplicity of being a true follower of Jesus and all that that means. And of being like Him. So I encourage you, keep your focus on what matters most. You want to do the journey well through crazy, changing times. Live with gratitude. Choose carefully the voices you listen to and practice being like Jesus. Father, right now we thank you for your incredible grace and love toward us. Oh my goodness. And in this moment, we just lift our hearts. If you want to, why don't you just open your heart and even just lift your hands to him as a sign of surrender this morning. Just raise your hands to him. Lord, we just come before you humbly. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Transform us, change us, that we might be a people of hope and light and life and love. Into a world of darkness, I pray, that we might walk the journey well in a changing and difficult world. I pray your blessing upon every person every home represented. And may we be Jesus to our world, I pray. Amen.